Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Central Texas Living with Ann Harder. The youth of Central Texas represent our future, but for far too many of them, daily life is a struggle, and that's where the Cove and the Methodist Children's Home Family Outreach Center step in to fill the gap, and I'm so happy to have with me today Kelly Atkinson, who's the Cove's Executive Director, and Trey Oakley, Methodist Children's Home President and CEO. Guys, thanks for coming to be with us today. Thank Thank you. Well, I, let's start off and talk about how big the problem is. I've visited with folks from the Cove on Central Texas Living, the TV show, and, and I, th- I think it's always astounding how many homeless children there are in Central Texas. You're right. And, and I mean, the fact is, when we talk about the Cove, we talk about youth homelessness really being an invisible problem. Um, and it is one of those things that students and, and young people aren't necessarily trying to um, promote about themselves or, or make known. You know, we have a lot of teenagers who come to the Cove who are involved in extracurricular activities. Um, they're on the track team and they play volleyball and uh, they work, you know, every day after school. And um, it really is a secret um, that they keep to themselves a lot of times that maybe they don't know where they're going to stay that night or that their family has been kicked out and they've been having to find a place to stay or that they're in their car, you know, that they have their clothing in their car and um, they're finding places to shower and freshen up and, and show up with that really, um, you know, big smile on the next day in such a way that you really wouldn't know. What, what numbers are you looking at, though? We, we have started in a partnership with Waco ISD. So in the fall of 2016, we opened our doors, but there were several years of conversation before that time. Uh, one of our co-founders at The Cove um, is named Cheryl Pooler. Uh, she has her doctorate in social work and teaches at the Garland School at Baylor. And um, her research emphasis is in youth homelessness. And so uh, her passion for that work really came from being a social worker in the school, in um, the Waco High School area, and just you know coming to realize this wasn't just one or two students, wasn't just dozens. There were hundreds of high schoolers in our community um, that she was starting to meet. And when you peel back the layers or you just develop that trust, you start to hear uh, there's a lot going on in this student's life, and there are reasons why uh, they're not showing up at school. They're not sure that they're going to graduate. They're very behind in credits. And so she felt strongly and just began to do a lot of research about ways to support youth experiencing homelessness. And an after-school drop-in center was one of the models that uh, that she learned about in the nation that was starting to be, again, effective in the sense of having a safe place to go, 
um, for a lot of these teenagers, uh, they would say, they're, I don't really feel safe at the place where I'm staying. It's not my place or uh, the people that I'm there with um, are unpredictable at best and uh, maybe um, not safe at worst. And so uh, they're really looking for ways to kind of make it through high school. And uh, for a lot of them, they've just learned to kind of take care of themselves. They're very independent. Um, but at the same time, they're still 16, 17 um, and even when they turn 18, uh, it's not as if they're really well prepared for self-sufficiency because of um, all of those gaps that uh, they've made their way through. So um, anyway, Cheryl, Dr. Pooler was um, part of Waco ISD at that time, and we built a partnership to where uh, students from Waco ISD who are identified by the district uh, as homeless, lacking fixed, adequate, or regular housing, they're bused to the Cove after school. And then we uh, provide care in the afternoon and then help take them to where they're going to stay at night. So, so, so you don't have beds there? We don't. We're not mm-hmm. a shelter. Right. And last year, there were 224 um, high school age students identified as oh. homeless. And the year before that, there were 335. So hmm. um, that's just in the three high schools, University High, Waco High, and Brazos Credit Recovery. So the problem of youth homelessness has doubled. The numbers have doubled in the last 10 years in our nation. And so there's just something um, that's shifted, I think, um, to where our teenagers are really bearing a lot of um, instability and pain. And by the time they are, you know, 18, they've they've already lived quite a bit. Mm-hmm. 430 years, the Methodist Children's Home, though, has been providing that place, that of stability for children whose parents can't or won't take care of them. Um, but this, uh, the family outreach, this is something new. So let's talk about that, Trey. Sure, Ann. It, it's one of the things where uh, we are known primarily for exactly what you said, uh, that location on Herring Avenue, the beautiful campus uh, that has been there since 1890, uh, cornerstone of Waco. And so for children to come from all over Texas and New Mexico, which is our service area, to come and to live uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, uh, and we try to surround those individuals with caring, loving individuals, programs that can uh, bring about changing uh, changes in their lives. And so when we begin to look at um, how could we expand our reach, primarily here in Waco, we had had an outreach center and they were doing fantastic work. But as part of our new strategic plan, uh, at that time, we, we said we want to do even more uh, in McClendon County and in Waco. And so the Family Outreach Center uh, began to expand their services, uh, adding in not only uh, parent training to try to keep some, as Kelly was mentioning, some of those families that are right on the fringe. Mm -hmm, Right on the bubble. And Mm -hmm. we live in a society where so many of us are one phone call, uh, one paycheck, and COVID-19 has shown shown that, yes, how how delicate some some people's stability is. That's Mm -hmm. right. So in addition to those uh, parent trainings that we were doing, we said, what else could we do? And so begin to expand that and uh, really put in more resources into what we call a gap program. Uh, and that is grandparents and other relatives that have stood up and stu- stand in the gap for that child uh, so that homelessness won't become uh, the condition that they're in to try to keep that family together. And so family preservation was really our focus of what we wanted to do. So we were doing that, uh, but we were doing it from our Waco campus, and we said, what's the next step? And the next step was to have more of a vis- visible location, uh, to have that visible location, and then to find good uh uh, partners and collaborators in ministry that we could look to do. And we were working with the Cove on a number of different issues. I bet you were, yeah, yeah. already. Yep. So so your your new facility, this is a new location? 
for the outreach, right? Yes, for the outreach. So we moved it off of that beautiful Herring Avenue mm-hmm. uh, campus uh, and just down the road, uh, close enough, but right there on Waco Drive. Um, and we wanted to become more visible, but not just symbolically more visible. We wanted to uh, really be a place where people could locate and identify. And, and one of the things that, that has happened is individuals driving by that location have seen some of those billboards and have said, help is here. And we have great stories of not only the families that we've walked alongside with for extended periods of time, but also those families that have just driven in because they found themselves in that crisis situation and said, we need some help. Uh, and, and so we're, we're, we're very excited about that location and, and how it's going to continue to grow and raise awareness. So who helps you, Kelly, with, with these students? I'm, I would assume you have a staff of volunteers that, that, that help kind of mentor these students. We do. You're right. The Cove is really a young and small nonprofit, but we really feel very blessed to have been very much embraced by the community. So there are dozens of churches, let's say, who maybe their youth group has prepared hygiene kits for our students. You know, there are churches and sorority groups that have said, uh, let's do this as a service outreach together where we can sign up for a night a a month, you know, or a night a week where we can come and volunteer at the Cove. So there are just so, so, so many. I I would hate to even start to name any because I, I think that our mission has become so embraced by the community and we feel that because there's no way that that we as a small organization with five staff members um, could really help um, each and every student to get to a place of self-sustainability on their on our own Uh, we couldn't do that because um, students need to learn about how to balance a checkbook they need to learn about how to run a dishwasher they need to learn about being at work on time and uh, a lot of times also they need maybe one certain thing you know to to just make it to the next step in their in their life so a student this last year um, was able to be part of the guaca academy in Mm -hmm. in, uh, the district but she needed a pair of white tennis shoes and so, you know, I think about that as a parent and we go get white tennis shoes. Um, but for our students, a lot of times it might be something as small as that that kind of keeps them from being able to take that next step. And so we really do a lot of individualized support. So if it's white tennis shoes or if it's help in um, being a reference for this job application that you're doing or even sitting down with our students and doing the job applications and saying things along the lines of like, hey, you need to capitalize all of the mm-hmm. uh, the first letters of the sentences that yeah. you're writing here. Um, they're used to texting. It's not a text message. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's different. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we have volunteers from Baylor who sit down with our students. We have tutors that um, are employed by the district. Um, we we work closely with the counselors on those campuses to identify, you know, if there's some clothing need or if there are um, just basic hygiene needs that students have, then we work together uh, to meet those needs. But we have, for instance, like an Amazon wish list on our website. Really? And it's not uncommon for us to show up in the morning um, at the Cove and unlock the door and there to be a box there with a, you know, with a wish list delivery and from someone in, you know, Tennessee who said, I heard about your need and um, here are some white socks, you know, so... Um, we definitely rely on the generosity of our community to help meet those individual needs. Mm-hmm. And as for the Methodist home, the Methodist church funds, yeah, how, how are you funded? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we are extremely blessed in the fact that um, uh, coming into this role, I, I, I am standing on the shoulders of individuals who have given 
uh, for decades and decades. And uh, back in the 40s, actually, there was an endowment fund uh, that was uh, set up. And through good stewardship, continued investments into that endowment fund, uh, we've been blessed with the overwhelming majority of our annual support comes from earnings from this permanent endowment fund. Uh, and what is fantastic is, about that is we know we still have a- annual fundraising goals that we have to, uh, to reach in order to meet our budget, uh, but it gives us that stability. Uh, and again, how important that is during times like this, when markets go up and down, uh, to be able to look at the children, youth, and families that you serve and say, because of good stewardship of those who have gone before us, uh, we don't have to ride the wave, uh, and cut services and cut uh, staff members. Uh, we can provide that secure um, support that you need. Because just as Kelly's saying, with, with volunteers, with mentors, with staff members, one of the greatest gifts that we give young people who are struggling is consistency consistent advocates in their life because a lot of them have had people that have come mm-hmm. in pat them on the back for a little bit and said hey go go, go change your life go make yeah, it better go get them yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we just know because of the trauma that some of the young people have experienced some of the trauma the family and even generations of trauma That's right. um, mm-hmm. that we what we see is they need people that they know are going to be there for them no matter what comes along, no matter what time, no matter what circumstances. And so the short answer to your short question is uh, we mm. are uh, we're very, very blessed uh, to have that permanent endowment fund, which allows us then to go out and be aggressive in our fundraising, but never have to turn away uh, or, or cut services uh, in uncertain times. Yeah, but it's such a beautiful campus, though. Yeah. I'd love mm-hmm. to just drive over. It is, isn't it? Around it, it, it looks like a college campus. I mean, it's it just lovely. How many folks are living there now? Yeah, so on our Waco campus, mm-hmm. um, we have 120 young people that live there and again they live in uh, homes and they are family style homes as Mm -hmm. much as we can we have um, two types of uh, programs that we run one is a home parent model where uh, husbands and wives come in and uh, for many of them it's a second call to ministry uh, in the fact that they see this as uh, where they can come in and really invest in the lives of young people. And they work seven days on and then have seven days off. Uh, and uh, believe me, they enjoy those seven days off, mm-hmm, as you can sure, imagine, yeah. working with eight young people in those homes. But we also have shift work uh, models where we have individuals that come in and work for eight-hour shifts. And uh, it's those continual people that come into their lives. And then uh, outside of our uh, Waco campus, then we have our Boys Ranch, which is at houses up to 30 boys, which is about 20 miles outside of town. Um, and so those young boys uh, uh, come in uh, ages 11 to 18 years old, uh, come in, participate in education. We have FFA program, uh, ranch style living. And I will tell you that sometimes when I drive out there, they try to get me to do some ranching things like <laughs> bailing hay or something. I always have something really professional that I have to do. <laughs> no, doing. that's right. No, uh, no, no. I can't, I can't, at, can't at get that, hot and sweaty. At that time. But the majority of the young people and families that we're serving now uh, are in these outreach offices. And we have 13 of them throughout Texas and New Mexico. But that's why this uh, effort, uh, this collaboration with the Cove and the, the work that we've done before was so important because Waco is our home. It's been our home since 1890, and so we wanted to make sure these great programs and services that we were doing throughout Texas and New Mexico, we were also uh, doing right here at home. And so this space that's going to be available to the girls, let's talk about that. Yeah. So so have you moved in, or what is the time schedule? Yes, on Monday. So mm-hmm. we, got, we got key fobs on Monday and <coughs> got access into the gate, and um, our staff has been bringing over the small things. And then actually, really, literally right now, our um, professional moving team is moving stuff in. So the big things, refrigerators and couches and such are going in right now. So we're so excited. Uh, we actually just had a board meeting today, and uh, we gave our board a virtual tour and walked everybody through. Um, the progress that we've made so far. So everybody is just so excited 
it's double the space. And so I was going to ask how mm -hmm. much of an impact this additional space would be. It's double the space and the space was um, it's it's very open. And so it was built in with having groups of young people in mind. Mm -hmm. And so there are two really big spaces that we can use for a community gathering area and then one for a dining area. And then uh, we have space for some workout equipment. We have a really great partnership. Oh, that's cool. Yes. With friends at Baylor's <laughs> Department of Psychology and Neuroscience who have been providing high intensity interval training workouts for um, the last this will be our third year so a um, lot of lot of just exciting things like that that we now have space for there's a little technology hub that is like kind of a um, a bar you know that you can pull a stool up to and we can have um, multiple desktops going on right there as well as potentially having laptops and other spaces um, throughout the facility that students can hop on and work on coursework or um, work on applications for things and so we're excited about that and then obviously there's space for our staff so um, yeah, it just, it feels like a dream come true. The space is brand new. And so it looks really good. Uh, we're really trying to cook up some neat ways for, for young people to have a chance to help us not just decorate, but also kind of, um, create a mural, do some artwork, um, inside the space that is inclusive of some of our teens and some of our graduates. So, uh, we miss students cause we haven't had students in the building since before spring break. Right. Um, but we're really hoping to have students in the building this month. So, um, so that is going to start pretty That's quickly. our plan. We have mm -hmm. multiple scenarios just trying to think about safety precautions and, and what it could look like. But, um, you know, we, we've, we have multiple students that we've been in touch with over the break, and then there actually have been a number that we've just simply lost touch with, where um, maybe their phone has been disconnected, or we know that their family has moved out of the district or out of the city. And so we are anxious to see those faces again, and um, and also just know that once school starts back up, it's likely that there will be a lot of new students that we get to meet and um, who will need a place like the Cove. So. Um, we're excited. It's ex it's, well, it's wonderful to know that it's yeah. that it's there and that this collaboration has been put together. Mm -hmm. I wanted to say one more thing too, because the um, the programs that we've collaborated on um, already have been some of the transitional living programs that Methodist Children's Home has, and so there is a transitional living for youth um, eighteen on the campus. But then there's also an independent living program for that's off of the campus, and they're uh, really supportive housing um, apartments that some of Cove, some former Cove graduates have been able to live in as kind of a next step. And so those have been, they're, they're basically kind of three or four different residential options for housing for youth. And uh, we've worked together a lot, um, our staffs, um, to just really try to find the best fit for, which, for um, whichever um, housing solution might be appropriate for that young person. But those have been the ones that we've really made uh, the most connection with. Hmm. And, and that is, that, that's a great point to bring up. I mean, um, we, we have really followed um, uh, alongside the Cove on a number of different issues, as, as you've already picked up. Uh, a lot of the populations that we serve mm -hmm. um, do cross over. And so, um, you know, when we had this first floor space, we had so many questions about what we were going to do. Uh, we explored so many different options uh, from daycares to uh, after school programs to on and on and on. Just the list went on. And it was a great opportunity for a ministry like Methodist Children's Home that has so much uh, tradition and so much history, uh, but we learn a great deal from our relationship with the Cove because that uh, upstart uh, organization <laughs> that sees everything as fresh and new, and so it was an opportunity for us to to really go through that exercise. And uh, Lyle Mason, who was uh, the the executive director of the Magnolia Foundation. Uh, actually had uh, a shared relationship. We brought Lyle back on to our staff as the vice president for development. But, you know, he said, have you contacted Kelly Atkinson at all about what the Cove might 
envision in this space. And so really we had moved to, we're gonna, there are going to be two, three, four collaborators or, or partners in there. And then uh, I remember from the, some of the first times we walked through that space just to see the creativity of Kelly and her team to begin to already look at that space and see what they could do. Um, it, it, it really has just evolved from uh, people bringing uh, an idea together to something that we're both very excited about. And I know from Methodist Children's Home standpoint, uh, very excited about how it's going to make our organization better, which in turn is going to make Waco better. And it's going to be a better thing for yep. uh, young people in this area. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you talk about the history, though, of the Methodist home and alumni, even some who have gone through the COVIS program. Right. But I know with a 100-year, 130-year history, um, there are some really remarkable people who were benefited by the Methodist home. What, what does it mean to have those alumni support you all? Our alumni association is fantastic. In fact, um, you know, one of the, the uh, COVID-19 surprisingly has been really good for uh, us in the way of it's challenged us to think differently. And so we tried to turn it into a positive, but there have been uh, so many negatives, obviously, when you see the toll that it's taken on families, when it's taken on individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, but also one of the negatives was uh, for the first time since the 30s, uh, we didn't have a homecoming. Mm -hmm. And so we, we had to cancel that uh, because mm -hmm. of travel restrictions. And so it's a big loss when you don't have the opportunity to open the campus back up to our alumni and how proud I am of our alumni because uh, here's a newsflash, things have changed um, <laughs> in you know, 30, 40 years. Uh, that, that's the core of our alumni association, but they still see this as their home. And while they were, may remember the days when there were 300 plus kids on the campus uh, and what they remember about Methodist Children's Home, the excitement that our alumni association has, um, has just shared about this collaboration and the new things that are going on um, very proud of our alumni association. And you're right. Uh, the, the best examples of the ministry of Methodist Children's Home, um, you find that when you bump into one of our alumni. Yeah, they have great love for mm -hmm. uh, what was provided for them then. I'd like to get to know you guys a little bit better, though. Kelly, what brought you well, to Waco? What, what brought you to work at the Cove? And you've been there for many years, since the beginning? No, not since the beginning. Okay. For two years. Okay. This March has been two years. So I uh, came to Waco in 97 to go to Baylor. So I've been here for now, I guess, 23 years. It's kind of crazy to think about that. But I've been here longer than I've been um, in my hometown of Memphis, Tennessee, so grew up in Memphis and came to Waco and uh, met my husband at Baylor. And uh, I was actually one of those who was like, get me out of Waco. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's been actually really amazing to see how Waco has changed in the last 23 years. I mean, when I came to Baylor as a freshman, we had, I think there was one restaurant that you would go to and it was Chili's that was out on like North Valley Mills. And to make your way from Baylor to that Chili's, you know, it, you felt like you were traveling to another planet. I did. As a, as a little freshman Baylor person, I felt like I was exiting this bubble and going <laughs> so far into this other community that I didn't really know. And, um, and then as I, you know, progressed at Baylor, I really came to love Waco and uh, remember just 
then just thinking about like Baylor really, you know, does have its own kind of way of doing things and its own community. Um, how how does this relationship work between Waco and Baylor? And it's been really neat to see over the years the way that that relationship I think has really blossomed um, into some some real positive partnerships and uh, what it means to be a good neighbor and um, a good friend um, to a city. I think I see that in Baylor, and then I see our city just really uh, blossoming as well and. Obviously, all of the ways that Magnolia and Chip and Joanna have um, been a beautiful gift to the city. I think, um, I think honestly, it's just been amazing to see the fuel that's kind of come into something that already had a flame to it. And uh, I think just to see Way Cohen's prosper and to see different businesses start here um, has been really a, a great thing to witness and be a part of. So I taught in Baylor School of Social Work for 10 years and um, taught in the community development um, kind of realm of things in our Master of Social Work program and spent a lot of time with my kids. So my oldest is 13 and my youngest is six. And so I looked for ways to kind of remain involved in community development and teaching and then also being present with my kids during that time. So, um, yeah, I've just started this position in March of, gosh, 2018. And it has been, it's been a whirlwind there. I, I, I really didn't know what it would be like um, to be leading kind of a startup uh, nonprofit. And there have been so many things that I've learned along the way and, and really had to learn um, but I think it's just been such a supportive environment to learn those things. And again, our community has been really bought into our mission and that has made it such a rewarding space to grow in. Um, and then also I've just come to love our students. You know, I've, there are a couple of graduates that I still keep in touch with and, um, and it's really very, very rewarding to see them um, change their, their image of themselves, their leadership capacities, the, the ways that they express their thoughts and opinions and um, ways that their experiences uh, that they, you know, lived through as teenagers that could have really tanked a person, sure. you know, they, they've said, um, I'm going to, I'm going to keep growing. So I think that's, that's very inspiring for me every day. And it's been something I've really loved. Mm. All right, Trey. So what I brought learned, you to I learned something to Waco, about yeah. Kelly. Yeah. We, well, there you we, go. We, we had something uh, <laughs> something in common. So uh, I graduated from Howard Payne University mm -hmm. out uh, in Brownwood and uh, was coming here to uh, Truett Seminary and had everything mapped out uh, perfectly. And so, therefore, I had set a time limit on my on my stay in Waco. It was not going to be long term. <laughs> um, yeah. And and really, um, what what got me out to Methodist Children's Home is I, back in, Kelly, you may not know this, they used to have ads for jobs in newspapers. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And not, not online. So back, <laughs> I back, get help back wanted. In, yeah. That's right. Uh, and, and so I, I saw a, a job ad for a, uh, uh, a part-time librarian at Methodist Children's Home. Uh, and I'm not a librarian. I, I, I know what a book is, but that was about it. But I was looking for something <laughs> to do. Dewey Decimal System, yeah, not really part of your yeah. background. Huh? I, I was looking for something to do uh, <laughs> while I was going to be a full-time student. And sure. uh, in fact, um, my, my now wife, uh, we, we had dated in college and she went back home to Fort Worth. And so I figured that uh, if I was going to get married, my future father-in-law might want to see that I had a little bit of an income. So that was my motivation for going out to Methodist Children's Home. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, actually didn't uh, get the librarian's position, but they had a, a fancier position called the Assistant Director of Religious Education. Mm -hmm. A really, really long title um, that, that uh, really at the core of it just allowed me to connect with young people. Mm, kind of and, youth, youth yeah, minister. And, and then that's <laughs> yeah. exactly what it was. And yeah. uh, from there, then got a chance to move into uh, development, the fundraising side. 
And so always uh, necessary. That's right. And that's that's what I did from uh, 2001 uh, up until uh, last year when was named the president. And so um, Waco was not supposed to be home. Um, I was a good Baptist boy working at this Methodist uh, (laughs) organization. None of it fit into my five year time uh, timeline. But I think that's been an eye opener for me to realize uh, that we are, whether through the Cove or, or Methodist Children's Home, a lot of times we're working with young people that in that moment don't have the timeline laid out or even more damaging is that some of them have had words spoken over mm-hmm. them about what their destinies are going to be. And that's what I, what, that's what I fell in love with about Methodist Children's Home and appreciate about uh, organizations like the Cove is uh, we, we not only come in and say, well, it might be different. We equip young people. We uh, surround them with believers that say, not only can it be, but here's how it will be, and we're going to be with you along the way. And so uh, I wish I could say I um, was just instrumental in, in changing so many lives, but I, I have learned so much from the children, youth, and families, the resiliency that's there. Uh, it helped me uh, appreciate how I was raised, uh, to, to be grateful for that, uh, but it's also shaped me as a better husband, uh, as a better, better father. My my kids are 17 and 13, and um, they really have to work hard to pull something over on me because uh, uh, we get a lot of on-the-job training uh, in, in, in taking care <laughs> of right. uh, in taking care of young people. Exactly. Well, you are two, both of you, success stories for those who work so hard to try to keep you know, the young people here right. in right. in Waco, you know, what just making it so much a better place. Well, I have a one, one last thing that I like to do. I like to end these visits with, um, it's a questionnaire similar to the one that uh, the late great James Lipton would use on Inside the Actor's Studio. Okay. And uh, the, this is my, my little version of it. So what's your favorite word? Just pop in either one oh. of you. They can tell by the your voices, who's who? Life. Yeah. Sorry. Life. Life. Wonderful. Hope. Hi, life and hope. All right. What, what's your least favorite word? Moist. <laughs> you know, we've heard that before. I believe it. It's an unpopular word. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> My least favorite word. Well, that's that's uh, a, a really, really good one. Can't. That's two oh, words, okay. but just play right. along. Right. No, that's good. What turns you on creatively, spiritually or emotionally? Nature, being in nature. Yeah. Opportunity to build, create. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what turns you off? Uh, a focus on what isn't. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd copy off the smart kid on that one. Uh, <laughs> when, when, someone, when someone puts too many limits on things. Negativity, maybe. Yeah. All right, what sound do you love? I love the sound of water moving like a little stream. Mm-hmm. I love that sound. Mine was either what just happened, that dead silence as we were both thinking <laughs> hey, about it. Um, quiet. <laughs> but, but also uh, being at the, the bottom of, this is very specific, Carlsbad Caverns, whenever it's quiet and you can just hear the dripping uh, of water with silence all around you. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I went, just that's, went to a deep. Yeah, that's deep, very peaceful. Uh, we're all yes. kind of, we're all there with <laughs> we're you. We're there. We're there. Okay, so what sound do you hate? Uh, my children bickering. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, just <laughs> had a lot of it in the last three months. So. Oh, yes, right. A lot, a lot of togetherness. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Screaming and chaos. Yeah, yeah, that would be it. Uh, all right. What profession would you like to try if you weren't doing what you're doing? I want to do what you're doing. You're doing a great job. That's good. That bar would be too high. So, yeah, <laughs> probably something in media. Yeah. Oh, cool. I might want to write. It's right. hard, but I could imagine it. All right. What job do you know you would not want to do? I don't want to wait tables. That is hard work. I don't. 
Uh, can, can, I'm just. I'm gonna have to start answering first because I'm just, I'm just. Sorry, I can't answer. Uh, no, no, no. You, you are. You, you got good answers. Maybe I just start copying off you. That, that's a good one. I don't like that. That's either. right. Uh, waiting tables. All right. Last question, and this may be the same answer from you too. What What do you want to hear God say when you enter the pearly gates? Well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome home. All right. That's good. good <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay. So how can, if folks want to help, I mean, you mentioned Amazon. Uh-huh. They just look on your website. That's right. How can they help both of your agencies? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll just say first and foremost, we, we are a ministry that believes in the power of prayer. When We, we have seen how that has uh, uplifted, strengthened uh, our ministry. We actually put a challenge out to all of our supporters uh, during this time. And um, and obviously with world events, uh, as they continue to go as they are, we're, we're going to keep that going that every day at four o'clock, uh, we, we, ju- we pause for a moment. For some of our folks, it's just to say, dear Lord, please remember Methodist Children's Home. For others, they've talked about that that's when they've uh, positioned their quiet time uh, to be able to do it. So we, we do, we, we enlist the, the prayers of folks. Uh, obviously opportunities for um, service uh, and giving, uh, folks can find that at mch.org. Uh, to be able to go in and kind of search through those to to see where it is. Uh, for for some, it may be a calling to be a home parent, to be a volunteer, uh, or to just make uh, Methodist Children's Home one of the ministries that they support. Very good. Absolutely. And you can find out more about The Cove at thecovewaco.org. And really what we need the most in an ongoing way is just some of that monthly financial support. So as a young, small nonprofit, that does create a type of sustainability and um, stability for us. So that's one of the things that we are hoping uh, to see grow this year. In addition to, we always have opportunities to give things that help make a student's life brighter, whether that is non-perishable food items or um, art supplies or school supplies. And I, w- I will say right now we are we are very stocked with those things because we haven't had students in the building this spring. But in general, um, the link to our wish list is on our website. Um, and then lastly, folks can volunteer. So there there is a, a decently extensive process for um, going through a background check and an interview and an application uh, for us to learn more about folks who want to be part of students' lives. But if a person can commit an hour to a week for a shift um, to come up to the Cove, um, those mentors really are individuals that are both part of investing in youth and they also find that it's very um, transformative for them. So we have a lot of volunteers who say, I, I really don't see life in the same way after having been committed uh, to the Cove and getting to know this particular student. And they've come to mean a lot to me. So those would be ways for folks to get involved. Excellent. The Methodist Children's Home, the, the Cove, both, you know, creating such a, a, a wonderful impact in the lives of kids and changing, changing their lives for the better. Thanks. Thank you both. Thank you, Kelly, Trey, for being with us. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. Central Texas Living is part of the Rogue Media Network family. Be sure to check out their other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate us five stars on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Living, the podcast. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.